Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. The Medicare Shared Savings Program, CMS's Accountable Care Organization Program, could potentially be undergoing some big changes. Not all of them good. I'm Laura Jost, Managing Editor of the American Journal of Managed Care, and this week's podcast includes reactions to the MSSP proposals from ACO stakeholders who attended the fall meeting of the National Association of ACOs. In August, CMS released proposed changes to create Pathways to Success, which included changes to the risk adjustment and benchmarking that many ACOs view as improvements, but also a faster timeline to move ACOs into downside risk. NACO's president and CEO, Dr. Cliff Gauss, explained that the proposed changes to MSSP were top of mind at the fall meeting. I would say the level of excitement here is, is as high as I've seen around our future, but the anxiety is probably as high as I've ever seen because of the uh, changes that CMS has proposed to make. Uh, I, you know, I'm confident, I guess, that we'll see a, um, some give on their part, particularly around the speed that, we're, that they're asking us to move to risk, and particularly around the, um, uh, the reduction in shared savings. The part of the changes that had people most concerned and was mentioned most frequently was the push to shorten the timeline for ACOs to start taking on risk. Currently, ACOs have six years before they have to move into a downside risk model from one in which they only share in savings. Pathways to Success would shorten that to just two years. Dr. Joe Antos of American Enterprise Institute discusses. Well, I'm, I'm concerned about uh, the new CMS reg uh, because uh, it's not at all clear that uh, giving uh, ACOs five years, I believe it is, in you know you you either successful or you're out, uh, necessarily makes sense. There's a lot of variability in healthcare. That's the problem, uh, and there's a lot of variability geographically, uh, and and a whole bunch of other factors are at work as well. So so uh, this one size fits all, which unfortunately is pretty much the only way the government can really set a rule, makes it difficult. I think in the end. Uh, what people have predicted will probably become true, but it may be transitory. Uh, I think there will be ACOs who are now in the program who will drop out. There will be some discouragement factor there. Not as many organizations will try to become an ACO until the kinks are worked out. I think that's the issue because it's not just there's a rule. It's, well, how does CMS actually implement it? And uh, are there ways to deal with whatever the hard barriers are? Uh, These are businesses. They'll find ways. The worry is that the new program will discourage new ACOs from joining. Dr. Katherine Schneider, the president of the Delaware Valley ACO, commented that the biggest impact of the program won't be on ACOs like hers that have been in the program for a few years. Newer entrants or those considering joining the program will be impacted the most, and she said that two years just isn't viable. Having gone through being in the program, and actually I was part of the demonstration project 10, 15 years ago that uh, was the precursor, 
you don't even know your first year performance until after the time that you would have to commit to taking downside risk in year three. That's just not viable from any, let alone have any cash flow. It's certainly not viable from a, a sort of responsible business due diligence uh, kind of perspective. Um, and then the second is the attractiveness of coming in, the, the gain sharing proportion being reduced from 50 to 25%. I can say with absolute certainty, if those two, um, if those two rules had been in effect, and with the lack of ability to uh, to do things like a Medicare Advantage plan can do in terms of benefit design, in terms of risk adjustment, there's no way we would have gone into the program. And we're one of the biggest ACOs in the country, and we are committed to this model. I, and I personally believe that it's capable of driving broad change across the country uh, in a way that niche programs really can't do. So my biggest concern is really that if we focus just on, well, the program will just serve a couple of high-performing ACOs, um, you're going to have you know, a great program that nobody's in. Dr. Rob Fields of Mount Sinai Health System agreed, adding, I, I am very concerned in particular about new systems that are considering uh, joining the ACO movement. If we look, there's been steady growth in the ACO movement over the last several years, which is great. Um, but it's, we still only cover a minority of all Medicare beneficiaries. Um, we certainly hope that would change over time, but there's significant concern that for those systems and groups and practices that have not yet joined the ACO movement, they've been somewhat um, you know, slow in adapting to the world of value. It is I think less likely that they would do that now, at least not in the same way, uh, because the potential upside versus the rather significant downside uh, makes it really hard to make that financial decision. I think it would be really difficult to do so without some level of consolidation or movement in, uh, or alignment in some more fundamental way uh, with a bigger system. And therefore, I think it's going to actually lead to the very consolidation that we're hoping to prevent, unfortunately. Uh, I just don't think individual practices or systems will have a choice if they haven't already entered into world of value. Fields echoed Schneider's claim that two years does not seem like enough time for a system to comfortably take on risk. He said that research has shown that it tends to take three to four years for a system to perform under a value-based arrangement. Two years, frankly, feels somewhat arbitrary um, and not really demonstrating what the, what the data would show. So I, I do think it's going to be a problem, uh, and it leads to the idea that I, I think it would be difficult for new ACOs that have not been in this space before. You don't just wake up one day knowing how to take on value and how to take on risk and how to do this kind of work. It, it takes some time, and we know actually at this point how much time it kind of takes for most systems. So it would be, I think, somewhat more helpful and more effective to design the rule and the path towards risk to be in line with what actually the data shows. Current ACOs will have a number of changes to navigate. For next year, Coastal Carolina Quality Care is looking at what is currently Track 3, but would be called the Enhanced Track under the proposed changes. According to Stephen Knuckles, CEO of Coastal Carolina, there weren't a significant amount of changes, but the ACO is taking stock of how it may need to adjust if the proposed Pathways to Success takes effect. 
Yes, so with the new uh, proposed Pathways to Success, we are considering a Track 3 ACO or uh, Enhanced Track for next year. Uh, as part of that, to get ready, we're doing a, a number of things. Uh, we're evaluating an aggregate reinsurance contract because the, uh, the risk of uh, substantial loss to a small medical practice is big. So we're looking at those options. Um, but largely, we will be using a lot of the same techniques that we've used in the past. It is uh, a much greater risk, uh, but uh, with uh, with, with that risk will also come some anxiety, and, and maybe that'll lead to uh, greater performance, uh, but we'll just have to see. More than one person admitted that if these changes had been effect when their ACO was new in the program or considering joining, they probably wouldn't have joined or would have dropped out of MSSP. Here is Knuckles again. I know for our ACO, we did not achieve savings in the first uh, three-year contract period, and if we had been then required to take on risk after two years, uh, after just seeing really the first year's results, uh, I don't think our ACO would still be in ACO. We would have uh, dropped out of the program, so um, uh, I don't believe it's enough time, um, and I think we were able to move a lot more quickly uh, being a small ACO than some of the larger systems, so uh, I think ACOs are going to need more time uh, to get ready for risk. Some may be ready in that period of time, uh, but uh, there are many different things that uh, go on with uh, how you formulate the benchmark uh, and how the benchmark impacts local markets. And so um, it's less about being ready for risk than it is about knowing what the risks are, uh, evaluating the risks uh, to see what your odds of success are uh, and what the probabilities are. Allison Brennan, the Senior Vice President of Government Affairs at NACOS, agreed the shortened timeline to risk was one of the greatest challenges, but highlighted others with the proposed pathways to success. So I think the greatest challenges that we see are, number one, the shortening of time that new ACOs have before they have to take on risk. So currently in the program, new ACOs have six years before they're required to take on risk. Even at the end of six years, a lot of ACOs find that challenging. This proposal would shorten that time frame down to two years. And when we say two years, it's also important to note that that really only means ACOs have one year of performance results. So essentially, it's almost like they're flying blind to make this big leap. They only have a little bit of data and performance to go on before they'd move into a risk-based model. Another really significant challenge we see in the regulation is the proposal to cut in half the shared savings rates for ACOs. So right now, if ACOs meet the requirements and they're eligible to share in savings with the government, they get to keep 50% of that savings. Under the proposal, they would only get to keep 25% of the savings. And when we're looking at the investments ACOs are making upfront, which are not counted in the calculations of risk from CMS, they're looking at a return on investment that's now being cut in half and that's just really a non-starter for a lot of ACOs. They just don't think that it's a viable business model with shared savings rates that low. Um, a couple other challenges that we see in the regulation, um, there's a proposal to introduce a distinction among ACOs, kind of along hospital versus physician-led lines. And we have some concerns about that proposal and would like to see ACOs being treated kind of fairly across the board. Um, finally, I would say there is a proposal that would potentially terminate ACOs from their program if their spending is a little higher than projected. 
And this is under the guise of program integrity, but we really don't think that this is a program integrity proposal. Um, it really is just looking at spending being slightly different than the benchmark. So that's something we're very concerned about and we'll be opposing. That said, there was agreement that some proposed changes were for the better of the program. Knuckles added, um, I think the uh, greatest opportunity uh, with the, the, the new changes may be the risk adjustment. Uh, getting a positive upward adjustment really would have helped us in our first contract period. So uh, I think that that is a, is a positive uh, for this. Uh, also some of the regional adjustments uh, could are also a positive for many ACOs or most ACOs. Um, on the negative side, the move to risk uh, at a sooner, at, you know, making groups go to risk uh, sooner is going to harm the program and that fewer people are going to join or you will have more dropout. And the evidence has shown that uh, when ACOs stay in longer and we have more ACOs, that the trust fund is going to save more money. And I think that's where we really need to focus uh, on the program, not uh, how much savings are achieved based on the benchmark, but how much of the true savings are we achieving for the trust fund. NACOS's Brennan identified some additional opportunities. So there are a number of opportunities in the proposed Pathways to Success rule, and there are a number of things that we've been asking for for a while. So some examples of the opportunities include increased program stability and predictability through longer agreement periods, we're also seeing an effort to reduce quality reporting burdens. We're seeing broader implementation of certain payment rule waivers and introduction of a beneficiary incentive program, which will help engage beneficiaries and make sure that they're getting the care that they should from the providers that are appropriate. Um, we're also really pleased to see some program flexibility with certain things such as how a beneficiary is assigned to an ACO. So allowing ACO some more flexibility to kind of pick some of those key program methodologies. She added that there are some changes that some ACOs will see as an opportunity, while others may see as a challenge. There's a lot of complexity in this program, and as we look at the impact of certain proposals on various ACOs, it can affect ACOs differently. So a good example of this is benchmarking, where we see a proposal that would change how CMS incorporates a component of regional expenditure data into the benchmark. And the goal of that policy is to avoid comparing ACOs only to their historical performance as time moves on. And this is something that we're very supportive of, moving away from just looking at those historical expenditures. If we remain just looking at historical expenditures, eventually they'll get so low that you know, people can't achieve savings and always beat their past performance. So a way to fix that problem is to increasingly compare ACOs to other providers in their region. And some of the proposals in the benchmark change how CMS would incorporate that regional comparison into the benchmark. So certain ACOs may view that favorably and other ACOs may not view it favorably depending on how they compare to their regional costs. Another example is risk adjustment. Uh, we are definitely pleased to see some of the proposals CMS puts forward with risk adjustment. Um, but 
some of the other elements of the proposal will be harmful to certain ACOs. So uh, we're making some recommendations for CMS to finalize some elements of the risk adjustment proposals and then modify other elements. Finally, the changes to the MSSP may drive some ACOs out of the program and into the arms of Medicare Advantage. Kim Kaufman, the Vice President of Value-Based Care for Summit Medical Group in Tennessee, explained that her organization has seen the benefits of MA, and the proposed changes may cause others to consider MA a better business opportunity. I think that Pathways to Success represents significant changes, some of which are really good and some of which, from my perspective, are very concerning. The effect of those changes is going to vary quite a bit based on the individual ACO. Are they brand new to the program? Are they considering getting in the program? Or are they more mature? Maybe they already have some downside risks. So I think the impact of the proposed changes really will vary ACO by ACO. For a brand new ACO or somebody contemplating coming into the program, the change from downside risk after two years versus now where they've got up to six years uh, would be daunting. I personally would not likely recommend that my organization jump in and have downside risk after two years. And then uh, add on to that the fact that the sharing rate is only 25%. And so uh, based on our calculations, it'll take the typical physician-led ACO, which has lower overhead, years and years, I mean, we're talking four and five years before they will likely even break even on the operational expenses. So it's concerning, it's concerning to me. Um, Medicare Advantage, in my experience, allows for longer on-ramps to downside risk. And of course, the sharing rates, both up and down, are negotiation points and therefore reflect the local nature of healthcare. Fields of Mount Sinai agreed, saying, I certainly think we'll see a, a growth and a continued movement towards Medicare Advantage in terms of how, certainly in the world of value. And, and I say that because for systems that are working in this space, the rules around the way Medicare Advantage risk works uh, compared to the Medicare fee-for-service value tracks, the rules are a lot fairer in Medicare Advantage. It's, it's easier to get the business operations in line with the clinical operations in Medicare Advantage. So while that shift already occurs, uh, there are certainly many systems that have taken a Medicare Advantage-only approach. I think that will only get worse, uh, meaning a lot more Medicare Advantage and perhaps less concentration on regular fee-for-service Medicare value contracts, just because the rules will uh, just may be too difficult to, to navigate. To learn more about MSSP and the proposed changes, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. And you can get in touch with us by emailing info at AJMC.com or following us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. Finally, if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes.